I want you to, if you will, grab your Bibles, your phones, um, wherever you're getting Scripture, if it's an iPad, I want you to turn to Malachi. That is the last book of the Old Testament, right before the book of Matthew. Go to Malachi chapter 4, and in a moment we're going to read this together. Today I'm not going to start with a joke, and the reason I'm not starting with a joke is I want to share with you what happened last weekend in the second service at Higher Vision Church. If you weren't at the second service, um, you missed something really unique and something special. God began to do something that was incredibly profound in the last few weeks, and it began for me especially on Wednesday of last week. Many of you had the chance, some of you were here last week and I got to see my father as he was here and I interviewed him. Well, on Wednesday of last week, we were having dinner at my house. He was here in town. He's been staying with my brother, Wayman, and Kimberly. But we invited him to come over for dinner. And so he came over for dinner and was sitting there with the family, had a good time. And as we finished the meal and began to clean up, and things were, my dad looked at me, and he, he said something, and, and I could tell there was a focus, there was an intention in what he was about to say. And he looked at me and he said, son, he said, it's time for you to begin to see yourself as a spiritual father of Higher Vision Church. And he said, it's time for you to begin to declare that you are a spiritual father to the house that God has called you to oversee. And he went on to say, he said, when I was um, in ministry, it wasn't until later on in my ministry, in my 60s that I really began to realize and see that I was called as a spiritual father. And he said, when I began to do that, he said, my influence began to grow with people. People began to respond because they began to see me in that role. And he said, things began to change in our church. And as he began to tell me that, I said, dad, I, I you know, I appreciate that. He, I said, but you know, I'm still a young guy. <laughs> I feel young anyway. How many know what I'm talking about? The birthday card doesn't say it, but you feel it. Come on, let me know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, Dad, there's so many in our congregation that have been saved longer than me. And, you know, sometimes I look at my age and I feel like it disqualifies me in that light. I said, I know that I'm called to be the apostolic leader of this house. I birthed this ministry. God birthed it, but he used me to do that. And he said, son, it's not about age. He said, God has called you to be a spiritual father and I want to challenge you to arise and begin to declare that over your house and so I've been chewing on that all week long last week and then in the second service when my dad was talking and we were kind of talking about prayer I felt this release to share that and as I began to share it I'm, I'm not kidding you let me ask this question was anybody here in the second service did there was something that happened in the spirit a tangible sense of the anointing and the presence of God and as I began to share that story I began to declare and I said I want to declare that as the apostolic father of this house that if you're here that you have a spiritual father and not just a spiritual father there are fathers and mothers in this house that God has raised up leaders who are there to encourage, inspire, challenge you. And so God began to release something in the spirit last weekend at the second service. And I have felt like God wants me to take that. I wasn't planning on teaching on what I'm going to teach on the next two weeks, which is spiritual parenting, creating a culture of spiritual fathers and mothers. At the end of the service, when that was over, my dad, before he dismissed and gave the prayer of blessing, 
he began, the Holy Spirit hit him, and he began to prophesy. And he began to speak a word, and he said, God is releasing harvest at Higher Vision Church like you've never known before. And he said, as that harvest comes, he said, God is establishing you as a spiritual father. And he said, and he's raising up a house of spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to take care of that harvest. And so what I want to do this weekend and next weekend is I want to talk to you. And I believe the reason I'm not telling a joke this morning is because I feel an urgency in my spirit. Because today I want to talk to you about what it means to be a spiritual parent. And I'm going to talk next week about what it means to be a spiritual child, a son or a daughter. So I want you to stand to your feet as we read this passage together. The Lord brought me to this verse was one of the last things that God said before the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. And we step into the, the New Testament in Matthew. I want everyone to read this with me. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 simply says this. Come on, declare it with me. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to do something that we normally don't do, but I want you just to reach up towards heaven. If you feel comfortable doing that. You may be a guest, that might be new for you, but this is a posture of prayer. It's a posture of receiving. I want to declare right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am declaring that every stronghold, every mentality, that hinders us from receiving your truth. I'm declaring that is being removed right now in Jesus' name. Whether it's the cares of life, whether it's the enemy who deceives us, whether it's discouragement because of what's happened in the past, Lord, I'm declaring all of that's being wiped away and a, there is an open, clean slate ready to receive your writing. You said that you would write on the tab tables, the tablet of our heart. And I'm declaring you're rewriting a new story in people's lives, that you're raising up spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this new season. Lord, here at Higher Vision, we are, we are declaring, we are receiving that prophetic word that harvest is coming. Lord, that lives are being changed, that revival is coming to this land. Lord, let us start. Let something happen right here in the Santa Clarita Valley. But Lord, it's got to start in us. So let it begin in every mom and every dad and every student. Lord, in every child and every grandmother and every grandfather. Lord, I pray, awaken us to what you have for us in this season. We receive it now by faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. When we read this passage, and today I'm just going to do some really heavy teaching. I'm going to get through a lot of material. So I want you to grab your phones. I want you to grab your notes. And I'm gonna write, I want you to write some things down. Because we're going to talk about spiritual parenting. We're going to talk about building a culture of spiritual fathers and mothers. If you read this passage, it's very prophetic. Because here's what it says. It says, I'm going to release the spirit of Elijah, the prophet Elijah, as we get closer to that day, speaking of the return of Christ. And it says, and in that season, I'm going to turn the hearts of the parents, that can also be translated fathers, but it also could be tra translated parents. And sometimes when we talk about 
spiritual fathers, we forget that God isn't just a God to encourage us to have spiritual fathers, but we need to have spiritual mothers. We know in Titus it tells us that the older women are to nourish and encourage and inspire and raise up younger women in the faith. So really, what this passage is simply saying is it's calling the church, it's calling God's people to be, in the last days, spiritual parents. Now, that's interesting, and here's why you need to know that that's important. Because when we read this passage, it doesn't just say, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Because if you read that, you would think, well, that's just biological. He means that parents that have kids, that they're going to turn their heart towards their kids even more, and it's going to cause the kids to turn their hearts to the parents. No, because he talks about, at the beginning, Elijah. And here's what you may not know, is that Elijah was a spiritual father. In fact, in this passage, we're going to look at Elijah throughout this sermon today, and we're going to discover that God called Elijah to be a, not biological, because he didn't have children, a spiritual father. And I want to tell you, God is going to stir up in people that have kids or don't have kids to not just be biological parents, but he's going to stir up a passion in you and in me to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to people who need it. So as we dive into this passage, we're going to discover that God is calling us to be spiritual parents. And here's what's interesting. It says that as that day approaches, it's referring to the return of Christ. Now, it was fulfilled when Christ came the first time, because when Jesus came the first time as the Messiah, God sent John the Baptist with the spirit of Elijah. So we see this being fulfilled, but we know that many times prophetic messages are layered, and we know that Christ is, how many know Christ is coming again? And when Jesus returns, before he does, here's what the scripture says. I want to protect the land from destruction. So one of the greatest ways that I can protect the land from destruction is to put within the heart of my people a passion to be a spiritual father, to be a spiritual mother. You all with me? So I'm going to ask a few questions today. And these questions are going to help us understand, because as soon as I say spiritual parents, I know a lot of you are going, well, Pastor Jared, I, you know, that's not, I, don't, I don't even understand what that means. That sounds really, really deep, and I don't get it. So I'm going to ask a question. Here's the first question. You ready? What is the job description of spiritual parents? What is the job description of spiritual parents? Let's look now, because it talked about God turning the hearts of the fathers or the parents to the children, and it references Elijah. So let's look at the life of Elijah as we go through this and learn some principles today. You ready? How many want to grow and be what God's called you to be? Say amen. What is the job description of spiritual parents? Well, let's look at 1 Kings 19, verse 16. God spoke to Elijah and told him, look what it says, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Here's basically what he's telling him. This man is not your biological son, but I've called you to be his spiritual father. So I want you to go find him. Don't stay comfortable. Don't sit where you are. Go find him. Search him out. I want you to develop him. I want you to choose him. I want you to care for him. I want you to train him, and I want you to help him fulfill his divine destiny. In other words, I want you to take responsibility for somebody else. 
What is the job description of spiritual parents? It's that you and I make the commitment to take responsibility for somebody else. Not just for ourselves, but for somebody else. Y'all with me? Now, I know as soon as you, you, you saw that, some of you, your first thought was, well, Pastor Jared, that's cool and all, but that's Old Testament. That was a long time ago. What, what does the New Testament say? I mean, is there really anything in the New Testament that encourages us to be spiritual parents? Well, let me show you. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 15 and verse 16. Look what it says. It says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many what? You do not have many fathers. And that word, you know, can be translated parent as well. So you've got lots of people who will teach or instruct or give their opinion, but you have not many parents, not many fathers. Look what it says. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. So Paul is saying, listen, to the church of Corinth, he's saying, listen, I'm your spiritual father. You received Christ because of the ministry that God brought through, for, through me. And he goes, then he goes on to say this. He said, we don't have very many spiritual parents. And then he says this. So therefore... I urge you, imitate me. What is he talking about? What do you mean, imitate me? Here's what he's saying. It's time for you to be like me. It's time for you to commit to be a spiritual parent. You see, we see it in the Old Testament as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ that God wants to stir up this spirit of parenting. We see it in Corinthians where it says, listen, you need to be like me. You need to commit. Let me just say it this way. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm loving you. I'm patting you on the back. I'm, you know, I'm inspiring you. I'm, I'm building you up. And then sometimes God sends me with a word to challenge you. And here's the word. You're called to be a spiritual parent whether you want to or not. Somebody say Amen. Now, immediately, the first thought probably that comes to your mind, it comes to my mind, is, well, what does that really look like? If Paul said, imitate me, like I, you know, then, then to be a spiritual parent, then what does that look like? Well, let's go to Philippians. I'm going to show you a really cool verse. When we read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, here's the thing you need to know. Paul was also a spiritual father to the church in Philippi. In fact, he birthed it with much labor. What do you mean? Well, he was put in prison. It was in Philippi that he went into prison. He, he suffered, but it was through that suffering, through that travail, that he birthed the church in Philippi. And so now I want you to hear what he says to the church of Philippi, to his spiritual sons and daughters. Look what he says. He says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Man, isn't that a cool promise? Anybody want to know that the good thing God started in you is going to be finished until Jesus comes? In fact, how many of you want to know and be excited that not only the good work he started in you, but the good work he started in your kids, the good work he started in that friend who got saved on the job, that the good work he's doing is going to fulfill itself, it's going to finish its work. How many say, man, that's a good thing? So what's the confidence? Look at this. It's tied to spiritual parenting. He says, I can be confident that this work will be finished until the day when Jesus Christ returns. Now look what it says. So it is right that I should feel as I do about you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. Verse 8. 
God knows how much I love you. Verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Here's basically what Paul says. Listen, because I'm your spiritual father, because I'm doing things that a spiritual parent does, here's the good news. Because I'm doing that, I can have confidence that what God started is going to be finished. Could it be that the reason that what God has started is struggling to be completed in so many is because nobody's made the commitment to say, I'll be a spiritual parent? What is it? Let's, what does it look like? Some of you are saying, man, that's, well, I don't know if I could do that. What does that mean? Well, let me just give you three simple things in this verse that being a spiritual parent is. What's the job description? I'm going to give it to you. It's real simple. You just have to care. You just have to share. And you have to commit to prayer. Can you say it with me? You have to what? Share. You have to what? Share. And you have to be committed to what? Prayer. What is it? You have to what? Share. You have to what? Share. And you have to be committed to prayer. You see, Paul says, listen, I'm confident that God's going to finish his work, and here's why. Because I have you in my heart. I care about you enough that I'm not going to let go of you. I'm not going to forget about you. I'm not going to let you wander off and do your own thing, but I'm going to keep you in my heart. I'm going to care. I mean, isn't it great when, when you know somebody cares about you? You know one way that you can know someone cares is when they think about you even when you're not around, Right? Reminds me of a story. We were having a party over at Anna and Chris's house for Chris's um, birthday party. He was turning really old. And um, he was 40 years old. And the big 4-0. And so at the party, I was getting ready the next day to start this three-week diet thing. In fact, I was doing it with Chris. We were doing a competition to see who could get healthier and eat and lose a little bit of weight. And so we were getting ready to do this thing. And so I was talking to Wes. Wes plays guitar. He's been a band, he's a band leader here at the church. He was with the team that moved down. Awesome man of God. Just great guy, Wes. And so we were talking one day at that party. And as we were talking, um, we got to talking about the fact that I was going to do this diet. And, and then he said, well, you know, man, he goes, you got one more night. And he goes, and I know how much you like oatmeal cream pies. And I'm like, oh, I do love oatmeal cream pies. How many of you on the night right before a diet, you, you don't even need to know where I'm going with this, do you? So we laughed about it. I told him this really funny story about these oatmeal cream pies and how I'd made a commitment to like not eat them for a while. And then I drove to the store and there happened to be a guy eating one in the parking lot who started talking to me about it. Maybe I'll tell the story at some point. It was really funny. So here's what's happened. The party was over. I went home. And as I'm about to go to bed, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. I'm like, who in the world is showing up at 10 o'clock at night? So I walk over to the door. I open it up. And sitting on the ground is a box of oatmeal cream pies. Good times right there. Come on now. And I want you to know I ate the whole box before the next morning. Now, why am I telling this story? Here's what it shows you. Here's what it shows you about Wes. Wes cares about me. And that Chris paid him off to make me lose that bet is what it really shows you. The point I'm trying to make is that it meant a lot to me, and here's why it meant a lot to me. Because it, it told me that Wes was thinking about me even when I wasn't talking to him. 
What is being a spiritual parent? It's being willing to care. Paul said, I can be confident that the good work's going to be finished because I have you in my heart. I care. Not only do we care as a spiritual parent, but what do we do? We share. In other words, for you and I, spiritual parenting is just simply saying this. What I've been given, the favor of God that's been given to me, whatever it is, I'm willing to share. I'm willing to share some of my time. I'm willing to share maybe some of my treasure. I'm willing to share whatever knowledge that I have. You know, my kids are blessed. My children are blessed because as their father, I share with them the favor of the Lord. God has given us favor at times. And I remember a few years ago, we had a friend that called us and said, hey, you know what? We own this beach house on the beach. And if you want to go on vacation, just let me know and you can go stay. And, and so guess what? We went on vacation for an entire week right on the water, this beautiful home, didn't pay a dime. It was given to us for free. My kids had a blast. Why? Because as a parent, I'm willing not only to care, but I'm willing to take what God has given me and I'm willing to share. What do you have that you can share? Time, treasure, wisdom, love. The third thing it says is prayer. Committed to pray. You see, the job description of a spiritual parent is simply this, is that I'm going to take responsibility for someone. And I don't have to know everything. I just have to be willing to care. I have to be willing to share. And I have to be willing to be committed to prayer. And here's the cool thing. When you and I commit to that, that means that the people that are in our life, that means the people that come to Christ here at Higher Vision, that means your children, biologically or whoever it is, you can stand confidently every day knowing that the good thing God started is going to be completed until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah for that. Let me just share one more thought about this idea. Because Paul said, listen, be a parent like me, imitate me. But you know what Paul also said? Here's what he said in Philippians. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Did you know that Jesus displays this concept of spiritual parenting? Turn with me in your Bibles to John 15, 16. Many times when we read this verse, we don't realize the context of this verse. If you read um, uh, James chapter, or John chapter 15, here's what you need to discover. It's where Jesus is talking about spiritual father. He's talking about how that his father loved him. In fact, he makes this statement in verse 9. He says to his disciples, to those that he had taken responsibility for, here's what he says. He says, I have loved you, this is verse 9, as my father has loved me. So in the context of a chapter where he's talking about abiding in the vine, about the blessing of the father, about the father honoring, in the middle of that, look what he says. He says this. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I've appointed you to go and produce, you should underline that word, produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Here's what's cool. The word produce simply means this. It means to bring forth, to carry. It's an idea of childbirth. So here's basically what Jesus, as he's talking about a father-son relationship, says. He says, listen, I've picked you. I've chosen you. Here's why. So that you can produce. Just like a, a, a parent produces a child, gives birth. I've called you to give birth. 
And not only that, but that the fruit will remain. The fruit will last. In other words, I don't want you just to give fruit. I don't want you to just birth something. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch over and care for it so that it can grow and mature and remain and last and be full and be thriving. You see, God is called. Did you know that only 5% of Christians will ever lead anybody to Christ based on the current statistics? And of those 5%, how many commit to be responsible for that person to love and encourage and make sure that the good work has been completed. Isn't it interesting? This is powerful. Listen, you got to get this. Isn't it interesting to the divine flow? It says this. After he says, listen, I've called you to produce. I've called you to care for. He's talking about it in the context of parenting, right? Of father and son. Isn't it interesting that he says this? And whatever you want to ask from your father in heaven... If you want to release divine, unlimited God power and flow into your life through my name, the key is you have to be committed to producing and caring. Wow. Maybe that breakthrough in your life isn't because you haven't prayed a prayer, it's because you haven't committed to spiritual parenting. Come on, somebody say amen. Because divine flow, the follow-through of God's work is connected to saying, Lord, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to, first of all, be willing, what's the first word? To care, to what? Share, and to prayer. Here's a question I have for you. Who are you being responsible for right now? Who in your life are you being responsible for? There's lots of ways to do it. You can serve in children's ministry and watch over kids and be responsible for them. You can be a part of a Bible study and lead that, host it. You can disciple someone, encourage someone. You can be involved in HV discipleship. You can serve in student ministries or in young adults. You can do it in the house of God. I think that's the best way, somehow connected to that, and we'll talk about that later. Do you have anybody you're being responsible for? Because I'm going to tell you, the key to protecting from the curse, to releasing divine unlimited power, is people who are committed to turn their hearts to sons and daughters to be spiritual parents. Somebody say amen. Isn't that a powerful thought? So I asked the question, what is the job description? I want to ask another question. You all with me? Here's the second question. Why don't we have more spiritual parents? Why don't we have more spiritual parents? I want to read to you the verse we read a moment ago. 1 Corinthians 14, or 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, For though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. That can be translated parents. Why is it in the church, why is it in the kingdom that there aren't more people who have stepped up and said, I'm going to take responsibility for somebody else? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. You ready? Here's reason number one. Because we have a culture of self-absorbed parents. All we have to do is look at the story of Elijah and we can see this. Remember when Elijah, after he had been on Mount Carmel, Jezebel comes to him and says, I'm going to kill you the next time I see you. And what does he do? He runs into the wilderness. He's under the broom tree. And here's what he says. He says, God, I just want to die. Kill me now. I'm the only prophet left. 
I'm not any better than my father's. You know what I'm hearing in this conversation? Me, me, me. Now, I want to tell you, we live in a culture with a lot of kids now that are being raised by grandparents because parents, even on the biological side, right now it's all about me, me, me. Well, I want to, I never really had a good marriage, my first marriage, so I'm going to find that good marriage. It's all about me. Well, you have children. You got, yeah, but I've got to find my soulmate. You know, I've got to get ahead in my career. You know, I really love that hobby. I've never had time. And we've got a culture where everything, just like Elijah, me, me, me. But can I tell you, here's what God said to Elijah. He said, get up. Go to that mountain and I'm going to talk to you. And when he got to the mountain, here's what he said. Go back down because now you're going to be a spiritual father. I've called you to be responsible for someone else. You see, here's what happened. Elijah was having a midlife crisis. (laughs) But here's what God said. Elijah, this isn't a midlife crisis. This is a midlife shift. Because here's the reality, it's not about me, it's about we. I am the God of Abraham, and I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. Could it be the reason God gave us that definition of who he is is because he wants you and I to know that it's not just about our generation, it's not just about me, but God has called you and I to have a midlife shift, to realize that there are people out there that need someone like the Elishas to believe in them, to love them, to stand with them. See, God is making a shift, but unfortunately, we don't have many parents in the spirit because so many are self-absorbed. You know another reason why we don't have many fathers, many, many mothers, is because not only do we have self-absorbed parents, but we have unqualified parents. Now, as soon as I say that, many of you are going, see, I, I have a legitimate reason to not be a spiritual parent, because <laughs> I feel unqualified. Can I tell you, that's what I'm really saying, is people aren't a parent because they feel unqualified. Listen, being a parent isn't about age. You know why? Because I became a parent at 24. Macy was born. Being a spiritual parent, being a biological parent isn't about age. It's not necessarily about education. Here's what it is. It's about willing to commit yourself to be responsible for somebody else and committing yourself to say, I'll learn whatever I need to learn to help do what I'm called to do. You see, here's the deal. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And if he's called you to be a spiritual parent, then he'll equip you to be a spiritual parent. In fact, this church has ways to help you become a spiritual parent. In fact, a biological class about you know, parenting your biological children or your adopted children, we have it starting very soon. Pastor Alex is going to be starting at the beginning of September on Wednesday nights, or I, I'm not sure of the night, but that class is being offered to help you be a parent. We have higher leading, where you learn how to be a leader. We have HV discipleship, where you can be trained to be a mentor, to care. Listen, I want to tell you something. Don't let unqualified parent, don't let that mentality, I just don't have enough, I'm not old enough, to say, listen, I am going to commit myself, if God is going to call me. He's going to equip me because it's not about me. It's about we. I want to release the divine flow of God's unlimited power. I want to see the work completed in Jesus' name. You know another reason? Another reason why we don't have many fathers or many many mothers? Because of unknowing parents. You ever watch that TV show or heard that story of the, the guy who, when he's, you know, 40 years old or 
finds out that when he was younger, got a girl pregnant, and she never told him. And so the whole time, he was a parent, but he didn't even know he was. He just didn't know. I want to stop and say, could it be that there's a lot of us who don't realize that we're called to be a parent? We just don't know. In fact, can I show you a really cool scripture? Hosea 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. You know what the word knowledge means there? Awareness. And then he goes on to say, and I've rejected you as my priest, and I will also ignore your children. I believe that there is a generation, not just of those that are little, but they could be grandparents today, that are perishing, that are casting off restraint, that are not fulfilling their their destiny in life, and here's why. Because you didn't know, and I didn't know, that God said, I've called you and chosen you to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. I've called you to be a spiritual parent, to imitate Paul like he imitated Christ. I've called you. Listen, oh, that God would awaken our knowledge, that he would help us to release the divine power and flow of God. How? Through a commitment to say, I'm going to be a parent. Now, I have another question. You all still with me? Say amen. Amen. This is a good one. I've asked, what is the job description? I've asked, why don't we have more? Now, let me ask this question. Why do we need spiritual parents? I have to say, when I stand before you and, and declare I'm a spiritual father of this house, an apostolic father of this house, to be honest, it's very humbling. And it's a struggle for me. And after the service, I had people coming up to me and, and you know, saying, Pastor, you're my spiritual father. And, and um, you know, I'm so excited. And it was tough for me. It was, it's, it's an, it was an adjustment of mentality. And I believe we have leaders in this church that are spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that are mothering and, and encouraging and helping people. But why is it important to have that? Why do we need spiritual leadership in our life? Well, let me give you two reasons. You ready? Write this down. Reason number one, because spiritual parents give identity. Spiritual parents give identity. I want to read to you in Kings. And let me tell you, next week we're going to talk about being spiritual sons and daughters because you'll never be a good father if you can't learn to be a good son. And you'll never learn to be a good mother if you can't learn to be a good daughter. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at what it says in 1 Kings 19.19. God spoke to Elijah and said, hey, midlife shift, now it's about others. Go and take responsibility for Elisha. Look what he says. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders. Now when we read that, here's what you need to know. The cloak or the mantle... It was the thing that the priest wore which identified him as the prophet. So when Elijah came and put the mantle onto Elisha, here's what he was saying. Elisha, I know in your mind, you think you're a farmer. In your mind, I think you think that your only father is your dad, Shaphat. But here's what you need to know. I'm identifying something that you don't even see. 
You only think you're going to accomplish this in life. You only think God can do this. But here's what you need to know. God's given you a different identity. He's given you a new identity, and that is you're called to be a spiritual son, and you're called to be a prophet. You don't know it, but you're going to be the next prophet of Israel. I'm identifying you. I'm giving you value. I'm validating who you are in God's eternal destiny and eternal plan. You see, spiritual parents give identity. I love what it says in Matthew 3.17 when Jesus was baptized and the Bible says a voice from heaven came and said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Maybe you're here today and you've struggled with your identity. I'm not talking about Caitlin Bruce Jenner, that kind of identity. (laughs) But maybe you've struggled with your identity. Who am I? What am I supposed to do in life? Maybe you didn't have an earthly father. Or maybe you've been without a spiritual father. I want want you to know something. You have a father, and he is Father God. He is watching over you, and he wants to give you an identity. You see, there's a beautiful story about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was an heir to be the next king of Israel. But what happened was Saul and then Jonathan died. All of the rest of the, the... kids died and he was the only one left. David became the new king of Israel. It was a new bloodline. And many times the new king would kill off all of the bloodline, all the males of the, the, the other king so that there could be no legitimacy for the throne. But David had promised Jonathan that he would not do that, that he would take care of his family. And when David found out that Mephibosheth was alive, He brought Mephibosheth to the palace. And when Mephibosheth showed up at the palace, he bowed down on his knees. He was crippled because he was dropped at birth. He bowed down on his knees before David. He said, why did you do this? Why did you bring me a dead dog that I am? You can see the mentality that this fatherless son had. And I think there's a lot of people who are living with a dead dog mentality. They think they're a farmer when God's called them to be a prophet. They're living in Lodabar, the place of the in-between, far away from what God has for them. And what did David do? David became a spiritual father to Mephibosheth, and here's what he said. He said, no, 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 you're not a dead dog. You're a son of the king, and you're going to sit at the king's table. God is turning some farmers into prophets. He's turning some dead dogs into sons of kings because of of a heart of a spiritual parent. Last night, as I was... Standing outside, a man came up to me and he said this. He said, Pastor Jared, I grew up in a home and my father abused me horribly. And he said, as a dad now, and the wife was standing there and she said, Pastor, I believe that that he's in the right place because God has given him a spiritual father in you and in in the the fathers and, and mothers of this house. And he looked at me and he said this. He goes, you know... He goes, and tears were streaming down his face. He said, I'm scared to get close to my kids. And this is how he phrased it, because I'm afraid the ghost of my father is going to work through me. And so I would rather be distant than ever hurt them. And you know what I said? I said, I want to declare to you right now that you're not your dad. 
I want to declare to you that he's made you a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are new. I want to declare to you that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to challenge you. Get in the parenting class that we're offering. God has got a different destiny. Get close to your kids. You're not going to be that dad. You're going to be a different dad. What was happening? You see, a spiritual father was giving identity to a spiritual son. A spiritual mother needs to give identity to a spiritual daughter. I want to tell you that you and I need to discover our identity and who we are, that we have a father in heaven. We have spiritual fathers and mothers in this house and that they will help us discover what God has called us to be and who he's called us and what he's called us to do. Somebody say amen. Why do we need spiritual fathers? Because they give identity. Here's the last thing. We need spiritual parents because spiritual parents give inheritance. Spiritual parents give inheritance. I want to read to you 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to fast forward the story after Elijah has been, you know, fathering Elisha. Some of you say, Pastor, in that verse you read, he said to anoint him to be the next prophet. What do you mean he's a spiritual father? I don't see that. Well, let's look and let's read. 2 Kings 9 or 2, verse 9 through 12 says, And Elisha replied, this is at the end of, of when about Elisha, Elijah's about ready to be translated into heaven. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Verse 10. Elijah replied, if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. As they were walking along, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by the whirlwind into heaven. Now look what it says. And Elisha saw it and cried out, what? He cried, my father, my father. I see the chariot and charioteers of Israel. And then Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, that mantle, which had fallen when he was taken up. Did you know Elijah was a spiritual father? We just read it to Elisha, but here's what's cool. Did you know that a double portion, which is what he was asking for, is the portion that's allotted to the firstborn son of a family? You see, we need spiritual parents in our life because God doesn't just want to bless you with what you've worked for. He wants to bless you with what he stored up for you. But the only way that you can receive beyond what you've worked for, we know that when we sow, we're going to reap. But a lot of us are living in the one portion anointing. We're living in the one portion inheritance. But when we position ourselves to have spiritual fathers and mothers in our life, here's what happens. God then takes it and he doubles it. He gives you what you didn't work for. He gives you what he stored up for you, what he's laid up for you. A greater anointing, a greater mantle, a greater portion. I want to tell you that I believe that the reason that we've seen over 30, almost 33,000 people raise their hand to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through services and ministries here at Higher Vision Church is not because of anything I've worked for. But I want to tell you that when I was a young man and I was serving in Modesto, I had a spiritual father that, that, was, that was over me there. And he had a special anointing to give altar calls. Some of you met him when he came and spoke here, Pastor Glenn Berteau. Pastor Glenn Berteau, when he gets up and he gives an altar call, people run to the altar. He has an inheritance. He has a calling. He has a gifting. And before I left 
Modesto. He laid his hands on me and he said, God, I pray that what you've given me, you'd give it, Jared. I pray that when he gives altar calls, that there'd be a special anointing. And you know, people walk into this room, people that have never been here before, people that have been a part of churches, and you know what they say over and over again? I've never seen so many people week after week after week raise their hand and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. It's like expected. It's like people are coming, waiting, and getting ready to receive Christ. You know what that is? That's not something I worked for. It's the inheritance. It's the blessing that God has put on our house because of spiritual authority, spiritual parenting. I could tell you other stories of other things in my life that I have an inheritance, not because of what I've done, but because of positioning myself as a spiritual son or daughter. I want to tell you something. God has inheritance for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for the people that are involved in your life. That's why, let me tell you, that's why spiritual family is so important. You see, every family has a patriarch, right? That father, and they have a matriarch, that mother. And then you go to the, you go to the family reunions, and you see spiritual grandparents and spiritual parents, and, and what happens? You, you know, who coined the phrase and was kind of given a hard time for it uh, several years ago, Hillary Clinton took the phrase, and she talked about the idea that it takes a village to raise a child. Anybody remember that? Can I tell you, it doesn't take a village to raise a child. It takes a family. And we have children that are being birthed into the kingdom in this church over and over again. And I am humbled. Paul said this to the church of Corinth. He said, I am the spiritual father of this church. But this is what he went on to say. We didn't read it. He said, but I'm sending Timothy to you. And then he said, imitate me. And I want to tell you that it's a humbling thing as a patriarch of this house to see God raising up spiritual fathers and mothers. And you know, I want to tell you something. There's a place for you at the table. There's a place for you to raise up and be the person God's called you to be, to help someone fulfill their destiny, to complete the work that God started in you, to, to, to release the divine, unlimited power of the Father in the lives of the kingdom. Listen, the, 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 the curse that's coming on the land is coming because people aren't taking that responsibility seriously. But when you and I, as Christ returns, we begin to hear the heart of God, our Father God, who puts within us a passion to care for others. Guess what's going to happen? Not only are we going to hold back the curse, but we're going to release divine inheritance. We're going to release divine destiny. We're going to release an identity. We're going to release inheritance and promise that God wants to bring on the earth. But he can only do it through a parent, through you. It's not about age. My uncle, or my cousin, he was 22 years of age, and he was a spiritual father to me when I was going through junior high and the beginning of high school. My dad at that time was so busy with the church, and Phil was a spiritual father. He was 22. I believe that it was a crucial time in my life that kept me on track. Listen, it's not about age. It's about a commitment to say, I'll surrender, and I'll serve. I'll care, I'll share, and I'll commit to prayer.